right, forgot to mention in announcements after the service, uh, we're going to have a cake for the Dennises. This is our last week. They're getting ready to move back to Ohio. We're definitely going to miss them. Appreciate all they've done around here. And Austin's filled the pulpit several times, which has been a blessing. And so I asked him to preach tonight, so he's going to be preaching for us tonight. So I just wanted to mention that in announcements. But go ahead and go to Haggai chapter 1, and I want you to notice what it says in verse 13. It says, Then spake Haggai, the Lord's messenger, in the Lord's message unto the people, saying, I am with you, saith the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and did work in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. Now, this uh, small book of the Bible, Haggai, this was something that took place during the time of Ezra and Nehemiah. This is after the Babylonian captivity. And if you remember all the story, just kind of some history and some background that's important to understand, is Israel was supposed to be rebuilding their temple during this time. God had restored them to their land. But when they started building the temple, as they were supposed to, opposition came. And then the work ended up ceasing. For I forgot how many years it was that it just stopped. And then finally... You know, God had to send his prophets to basically tell Israel, hey, it's time to get back to work. And they ended up having more opposition. But you know what? They stood against it and they ultimately succeeded. And let me tell you something. Nowhere in the Bible do we see, you know, the cause of Christ and the cause, God's work going forward without opposition. There's always going to be challenges. There's always going to be people that try to get in your way. And you can let those people stop you or you can just go forward just in spite of the fact, and let God take care of things. And fortunately, Israel ended up doing that. But when this book was written, they were they were at a state where they had ceased. And so through this message from God, notice how it mentions that it stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel and Joshua, the high priest, and the people, and it ended up getting them to get back to work. All of a sudden, just one day. Just because of a message that came, something stirred in these people's hearts. And all of a sudden now, they're back to doing what they should have been doing. You could say this was a revival in a way. And so what I want to do, I want to start out on this passage to show you how God, He used His Word to stir up the people of Israel so they would get off their backside, so they would get to work, and it did. It did the job. And you know, all of us, sometimes we need someone or we need something to come along and to stir up our spirit, to maybe to get us to do something or maybe to get us to stop doing something. And last week we talked about, you know, kind of evil spirits, bad spirits that affect Christians. And then uh, last Sunday night we talked about good spirits. This week I want to specifically talk about the stirring of the spirit because Right now, that's what a lot of people need. Uh, they need that stirring of the Spirit. Sometimes the problem that people have is there's just nothing going on on the inside. Some people, they're, they're struggling because they've got all these bad spirits affecting them. They've got a bad mindset. We talked a lot about how it's not always about these demonic entities. Sometimes it's a mindset. And, you know, and some people have a lot of negative in their life. And so it's causing them a lot of turmoil. They're having a lot of problems. But, you know, we need to get the good that's influencing us. But some people are just in a state of just total apathy. Nothing is going on. 
Absolutely, they are not moved to do anything. There are people today, there are saved people today, that are literally sitting at home watching television. They've got absolutely nothing to do, and they are not in church. And folks, they don't even feel guilty about it. They're not bothered by it. There is, I mean, it's like there's nothing going on to even make them want to do these things or think about doing these things. And let me tell you, these people, you know what they need? They need to get stirred up. You know, that's one of the things I like, too, about going souling on Sundays, too, is, you know, people often will bring that up, too, when you're out knocking doors. It's like, it's, you know, it, they're reminded, oh, yeah, it's Sunday. I probably should have been at church today. And I've had people say stuff about that. And, you know, God can use that to kind of help stir these people up. Hey, you know, you probably should get back in church. You know, I was encouraged uh, last week. We were, we were over in Rochelle knocking doors over there, and I talked to a lady who... Um, you know, I, I mentioned who we are, and she didn't say who it was that talked to her, but she mentioned to me that she's like, you know what? She's like, you all have talked to me before. You knocked on my door when I lived in Dixon, and she said she got saved. And she said now she's going to church over there in Rochelle, but, you know, hey, she's in church, you know. I, I'm glad something happened. You know, we, I think we help more churches than we realize. You know, we're always trying to give it to our church, but, you know, hey, you know, I, I, was, I was glad to hear her profess that, and, and she remembered us, and, you know, that, that was encouraging. But you know what? God, sometimes he uses his word, he uses people who are going to look at a lot of these things to stir up people's spirits to just remind them because people forget, people forget what they're supposed to do. They fall asleep. And I think it's important in our own life. Okay? And I mainly want to focus, I want you to focus this message, not on how you can stir other people up, but really on yourself. Because sometimes we do, we all just get stagnant. We get complacent and we need to get control of the spirits in our life. So we can start using them to help us do the right things. And I want you to understand, you know, what you can do to, you know, help keep the bad spirits from influencing you negatively. And again, I, I hope everybody heard last week's messages. We're not always talking about like demonic entities. Okay? That's not what we're discussing all the time. And so the word of God, though, without a doubt, is the best tool. I think that can influence your spirit in a good way. But I also want to share some things to help you just fight off the bad spirits that are out there that are trying to be a negative influence. Okay, and and you, again, another reason people just aren't stirred to do anything, they're not reading their Bibles at all. If you're not reading your Bible, I mean, I just I'm not going to expect a whole lot out of you as a Christian. Okay, if you all been slacking off in your Bible reading, you know, a lot of people too, and and I've seen this. I haven't had a whole lot of trouble with this, or maybe nobody's just been dumb enough to try this with me. But uh, you know, I've. I, in the past, I've gone to church with people who they will, they always want to blame the pastor for their sorry spiritual life. And I, and, and I remember my dad, he gets so frustrated. It's just like, you know, these people are mad at me because their families aren't turning out good. You know, their spiritual life suffering, but they're not even at church half the time. They're not reading their Bible. They don't do anything I preach about. And then when things don't turn out good, it's your fault, pastor. It's like some people want a dictator. Some people, some people, they got stuff falling out of the pulpit here. Some people want, some people, that was an evil spirit moving that. I've been watching too much Greg Locke. No. So some people want a pastor that just tells them everything to do and then enforces it. Some people want that. And, and those people are always the ones, too, that are always tattling to the pastor about people in the church trying to get them to do something to them. And it's just like, 
You know, I can get up here and I can preach. I can tell you what the Bible says. At the end of the day, if you all don't get off your own backside, if I can't even get you all to open up your Bible regularly during the week, I'm not going to be able to do much for you spiritually. It's just, it's just not going to happen. And let me tell you, ultimately, this battle in your spirit, this is your battle that you have to fight and that you have to win and you can't keep blaming others for your lack of control. The Bible says in Proverbs 16, 32, He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty and he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh the city. You know, if you're, if you're able to rule your own spirit, you're stronger than somebody that can take a city. And you know what? Some of you need to identify who is actually ruling your spirit right now. And you know what you need to do? You need to overthrow them. And just an FYI, the battle is in your mind. They're not really the bad guy. Some of you, I don't know, maybe I'm ruling your spirit. Maybe, you know, but at the same time, you know, you need to overthrow me. Not as pastor of this church, but in, in your mind. And you, you can't be dependent, you know, 100% dependent on me when it comes to your spiritual life. I hope I can be a help. I want to be a help. At the end of the day, you've got to get control of these things. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's somebody else in the church. It's sad how many people will let someone else steal their joy of serving God. They don't want to go, you know, it's like they, they used to be involved in certain ministries. They used to be involved in certain things. But because they don't like somebody else in the church, now they're not doing those things anymore. How dare you let that person control what you do? I don't know about you. You know, we're all big against, you know, dictators and, and government overreach and all that kind of stuff. We hate when the government tries to get in our life and tells us what to do. But you know what? Some of you, you'll let a woman rule over your life. And it's not even your wife. Somebody that maybe you don't like, somebody's opinion, you know, some, you know, maybe, maybe another lady's letting another lady rule over them. Well, I'm, I'm not going to go to church today because so-and-so is going to be there. Man, you've, really, you've put them on the throne of your life and you're going to let them control what you do. Well, fine, I'll do it anyway, but I'm not going to enjoy it. Great, so you've let that person control how you're going to feel about something. You know, I refuse to do that with people. I refuse to let other people steal my joy. And, then, you know, and let me tell you, sometimes it's easy. The devil, you know, he, he messes with, uh, you know, he messes with pastors, all right? You know, he messes with all of us. He messes with me all the time. It's like, you know, these people, they're ungrateful. They don't appreciate what you do. You know, you should just do something else. You should do, you know, he, he likes to mess your head that way. But you know what? I refuse to let other people steal my joy. And if he convinces me, every one of you all are sorry church members and that, you know, you're not worthy of my greatness and all that kind of stuff, that, you know, I, I'm still going to serve the Lord with joy because that's the devil. That's the devil in my head making me think that kind of thing. And I refuse to let him do it. And in reality, it's him that's doing it. Okay? I mean, there shouldn't be anybody in this church that has any power over your mind, over your spirit, over your attitude. But understand, sometimes there are. And I, I've had people that they've told me, you know, I, I'm not doing this because of so-and-so. And, -so. and I, th I just think that's pathetic. You know what? Why don't you just get a white flag tattooed on your forehead that says, I surrender because you're so weak that you'll literally let the thoughts that you think someone else is thinking to control you. I think, that's, I think that's really weak. I think that's really pathetic. And let me tell you, if that's going on with you, you are the problem. You need to take control over your own spirit. You need to rule your own spirit and stop blaming other people for, for all your problems. And so, first thing we need to understand when it comes to this idea of stirring of the spirit, because, again, 
Many people are letting the negative stir their spirit. You're letting a gossip stir your spirit into disobedience, into a negative attitude. But what you need to learn how to do is get a hold of the good things that are going to stir your spirit in the right way, in a good way. And so the first thing uh, we need to see, is, uh, turn over to First uh, Chronicles chapter 15. First Chronicles chapter 15. Because we're, I want us to take a look at how God, because what we really want is we want God stirring our spirit. When God's, we, and we want God stirring our spirit in a good way. And let me tell you, sometimes God stirs our spirit in a bad way. But even when that happens, you know what? It's because he's trying to get us right. So I think it's important that we under, understand how God does this. So in 1 Chronicles 15, or 5.26, says, And the God of Israel stirred up the spirit of Pul, king of Assyria, and the spirit of Tiglath-Pilneser, king of Assyria, and he carried them away, even the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, and brought them into Hala, and Habor, and Hera, to the river of Gozan unto this day. Notice when Israel was in trouble, they were, they were going to be judged by God, by the Assyrians. And so God stirred up the spirits of these other kings to cause them to come after Israel. In 2 Chronicles 21, verse 16, it says, Moreover, the Lord stirred up against Jehoram the spirit of the Philistines and of the Arabians that were near the Ethiopians. So notice how God often will stir up nations. He would stir up the hearts of kings. Why? For judgment. To get them doing what he wanted them to do. Sometimes for judgment, sometimes for good. In Ezra 1, verse 1, it says, Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all the kingdom and put it in writing saying, and then basically goes on uh, giving, telling them they can rebuild their temple. And this was before that passage in Haggai that we read. So it was God that stirred up the heart of Cyrus to allow Israel to go back. So the thing is, Israel wasn't going to be able to go back to their land. They're not going to be able to rebuild their temple without the, the, basically the king of the world at that time being behind it. And God stirred his heart up. God moved his heart God changed his heart to allow them to go back and do these things. And so God often stirs the spirits. But notice in these stories, the Bible does not tell us how God stirred their spirits. Now, I'm not trying to add anything to the scriptures, but I'm, I'm just going to assume that when God stirred their spirits, I don't think they were just sitting there one day and they're all of a sudden just like, you know what? Let's go after Israel. No, what probably happened is, you know, they, God probably sent messengers Somebody telling them things about Israel. God might have put it in the hearts of some of their advisors to say things against Israel and to cause them to fear and worry. I don't know what it, how God did it. The Bible doesn't tell us how God did it. All it tells us is that he stirred their spirits and caused them to do these things. I don't know how God stirred the heart of Cyrus to get him to allow Israel to rebuild the temple, but God did it. But let's go and look at some examples where God is stirring the spirits when it shows us how he did it. Because I believe... This is how God typically does it. But back in Haggai, notice what it says in verse 13, chapter 1. Then spake Haggai, the Lord's messenger, in the Lord's message unto the people, saying. So the things that Haggai sang, it was the word of God. It was literally God's word that was he was delivering God's message. And so the word of God is the main thing 
that God uses to stir the hearts of people. And that's what, again, that's why you've got to read the Word of God. You, you ought to read it to stir your spirit. Say, so, well, you know, my Christian life's been pretty weak lately. You know, and, and sometimes, sometimes it's easy to do the right thing. Sometimes it's easy to go to church. Sometimes it's easy to go soloing. Whenever there's something exciting going on, whenever things are great, whenever the stars are all aligned just right and everybody's healthy and everything's good, it's easy to go to church during those times. But you know what? Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes we don't feel like it. Sometimes you don't feel like going soul winning. Sometimes you don't feel like being obedient. Sometimes you don't feel like reading our Bible. And when, and when you get like that, when it starts getting hard, you know what you need? You need your spirit stirred. And you know what you've got to do? You've got to stop sitting around and just waiting for God to just come and supernaturally stir your spirit. No, what you need to do is you need to go to the place where God typically stirs the spirit, and that's the Word of God. It's like, you know, I'm going to read my Bible until I want to. I'm going to read my Bible until I learn something, until God does something in my heart. Have you ever done that before? I've done that many times before where it's just like, you know what? I'm going to read my Bible until I get something for me from the Lord. And I've had to read quite a while sometimes. But let me tell you, after you read about 20 or 30 chapters, you're going to start paying really close attention to what God's saying in his word. And if you could read 20 or 30 chapters and God not speak to you somewhere, you know, something's wrong. <laughs> and you know what you need to do? You need to let God speak to you through these things. And that's what you, you have to be in his word. This is what God uses. And then another thing God will use, God will often use circumstances in your life. But we've got to be paying attention. And Acts chapter 17, verse 16, it says, Now while Paul awaited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. And we, we, we know about Paul's message that he preached there in Acts chapter 17. Now, what motivated Paul to go speak to all these people. You know what? His spirit got stirred. He saw all the idolatry that was going on in that city. He saw all these images. And then he saw this one in, uh, this one place where they had a thing written to the unknown God where there was no image. And he's like, you know, I'm going to talk about him. And he did. And he just started preaching to all these people. He got a bunch of people saved. The things that he saw, it stirred his heart. And let me tell you something. We, are, we just get so wrapped up in our own little world we in our, in our own homes, in our own little social media bubbles or whatever, we don't often see what's going on in the world. You know, we need to pay attention to what's going around us, and it'll stir your heart when you see the wickedness that's going on in this world. When you see all these people that are just, you know, flocking to these false religions or just leaving religion altogether, you know, when I see that kind of thing, it stirs me up a little bit. It's like, you know, I need to go out and do something about this. I need to tell somebody about Jesus. And, you know, in the way our culture works, we don't really have, you know, these public gatherings where we can just go and speak to large amounts of people. And we would see them do that a lot in the Bible. You know, we just, we don't really have that kind of thing. I mean, our neighborhoods don't even know each other. I mean, most people don't even know the names of the people who live next door to them. And, you know, and so we, you know, when, it, when you look at our culture today and the way things work, I really do think the best method for getting the gospel to a lot of people is going door to door. That's pretty old fashioned. Uh, I don't think it's the only way to get the job done, but I really do think it works best uh, in our culture today. And you know, again, he said, I, I just don't feel like, you know, you need to get your heart stirred. You, you know what you need? To, you need to pay attention to what's going on. And you need to start, you need to look at the lives of other people. You start, need to start thinking about their souls. You need to be in the word of God. And Paul 
when he saw all that idolatry, it stirred him up. He's like, I'm preaching. Lamentations 3.51 says, Mine eye affecteth mine heart because of the daughters of all my city. You know what? Maybe the reason your heart's not affected by anything is because of what you're always looking at. You know, if all you're doing is watching sports, all you're doing is watching soap operas, and all you're doing is watching the news and things like that, you know, you're probably not going to have a whole lot of compassion for people. And honestly, if you're watching the news all the time, and this is something Christians are often guilty of. I mean, we, I don't think it's a sin necessarily to watch the news. But let me tell you, I think you can definitely do too much of it. And if it's being a negative influence, I think for you it is a sin. You just need to, you need to take a break from it. But let me tell you, if you're watching the news all the time, the last thing you're going to do is be compassionate towards other people because all they're doing is just trying to constantly divide. That's all they want to do. It's just all Republicans against Democrats. And unfortunately, and I don't know if you all have noticed this, but I mean, I really noticed a lot of this last year. And it was a midterm election year. But I talked to a lot of people last year that were very hostile towards us for because of the political reasons, because they associate Christianity with MAGA Republicans. And listen, we all understand that like Trump does not in any way represent what we believe. But yet, I mean, I, I've seen a lot of these atheist groups out there. They're always trying to connect us with MAGA Republicans and our Christianity with MAGA Republicans. And it's like, how is Trump Christian? That's what I'm still trying to figure out. You know, how, how, is, you know, how are we advancing his cause and how is he advancing our cause? I, I'm not seeing that. But yet they've successfully, the news media has stirred the hearts of the world against Christianity. And there was, there's a lot of hostility and a lot of people are very dumb, very ignorant and believe everything the news media says. And unfortunately, you know, it's, it's created some challenges. And, you know, we need, to, we need to not pay attention to that stuff and maybe we actually have some compassion on people. Maybe we wouldn't be tempted to, you know, not knock on the doors and have the Biden signs or whatever, you know, and... So I, I just knocked on a house the other day, got two people say they had a fag flag in front of it. And you say, well, you know, what were you even doing? I, I felt like knocking on the door, and it was. It was young people. They clearly were not you-know-whats or anything like that. And, you know, said I, it was, they're probably just one of the members of the house, you know, has been brainwashed and just trying to show how woke they are. You know, a lot of these people... Uh, you know, they're, they're not all the, that you know, live in houses like that. There's a lot of people very capable of getting saved. But, you know, we hear so much of this junk. You see so much of these things. And some of these people are probably putting those flags out there, too, just because they have they've been successfully brainwashed into thinking that anybody that's against homos is just some backwoods, inbred, you know, racist, you know, person. And, you know, and who wants to be a racist? Right. But they've. They've successfully made people think it's racist to be against homos, you know, and that's pretty crazy. But again, you know, people believe 81 million votes, too. <laughs> so yeah, it's, uh, you know, welcome to America. But we, we need to stop paying attention to those things and just try to have compassion for people. You know, when we see all that wickedness going on, it ought to stir our hearts to just tell more people about Jesus. But what a lot of people are doing, they, get, they just get them discouraged and cause them to back off. And we can't do that. That's, that's, not, that's not going to help anything. And so the truth is, you know, when God stir, is stirring your heart, 
whether it's for to get you to do something good or to get you to or to stop doing something bad, we just always need to submit. Because sometimes too, God's stirring hearts maybe in a negative way. Maybe God maybe God's bringing you down. We're going to see too where you know God sent an evil spirit to trouble Saul. Why? Because Saul was in rebellion against God. But what we need to do, if God's stirring your heart in a negative way, you just need to get right. You need to immediately repent and just get back to doing whatever God wants you to do. But you know, some people they just don't want to be stirred up about anything. That's where a lot of people are. They just don't want they don't want any kind of stirring. A lot of people they are in turmoil today because they're in rebellion. And instead of getting right, what do they do? They'll turn to alcohol. They'll turn to drugs. They'll turn to something that will just numb the pain. They'll turn, or you know, even to lighter things. Some people just to kind of get their mind off all the stress and things that are going on that is just nature's way of telling you to fix some problems, you know, they'll turn to entertainment. Just anything they can to get their mind off whatever their problems are. No, that pain is there. That stirring is there to help you fix some things. Get those things right. If, I, if you have a pain, doctors will tell you this all the time. If you have a pain somewhere, it's because something's wrong. That's your body's way of telling you that something's wrong and it needs to be fixed. And so if I've just got this horrible pain, you know, in my, I remember years ago, I had a horrible pain in my lower stomach. I self-diagnosed and, you know, and took laxatives and turned out I had appendicitis. And when you have appendicitis, the last thing you want to do, they said, is take laxatives. But, you know, I didn't want to go to the doctor. And, you know, and I, and, but you know what? Thankfully, I was like, man, this pain is bad. This isn't, you know, something's wrong. And, you know, and I went to the hospital and, and got things taken care of. But what a lot of people are doing today, they have some kind of pain in their life, maybe physically, but maybe even mentally too. And instead of figuring out what's wrong, you know what they do? They numb, they just numb it. They, t- they take a drug that doesn't get rid of anything. And, you know, and I'm glad when I had that a pain in my appendix, I didn't just start taking a bunch of, you know, painkilling drugs because eventually that could have ruptured and I'd had all kinds of problems. So, um, we need to understand sometimes God's stirring your spirit, trying to get you to fix some things. And so you need to fix these things. And so God uses his word as a way. And so, uh, another thing that God uses, um, we'll turn over to acts chapter or not. I'm acts, uh, first Samuel, first Samuel 16. Another thing that can be used to stir your spirit in a good or bad way. People get triggered when you talk about this, but it's just a fact that everyone agrees with except for uh, liberal Christians. And that's music. Music can be used to stir your spirit in a good or bad way. First Samuel chapter 16, verse 14 says, But the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. And Saul's servant said unto him, Behold now, an evil spirit from God troubleth thee, let our Lord now command thy servants which are before thee to seek out a man who is a cunning player on an harp, and it shall come to pass when the evil spirit from God is upon thee, that he shall play with his hand, and thou shalt be well. And Saul said unto his servants, Provide me now a man that can play well and bring him to me. And then verse 23, it says, And it came to pass when the evil spirit of, from God was upon Saul, that David took an harp and played with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him let me tell you music is a very powerful thing and understand this this uh evil spirit this was one that god allowed and that god sent 
because Saul was in rebellion against God, but even in that situation, when he heard good music, it refreshed him. It refreshed his spirit. That evil spirit would depart from him. And, you know, and, and unfortunately, because Saul wouldn't just get right, he had to get a regular dose of that, you know, and sometimes it would work, sometimes it wouldn't. You know, one time David almost got speared, uh, you know, by Saul. And we all remember that story. But a very important truth that we need to get a hold of, and this can be difficult thanks to Hollywood uh, when it comes to the subject of spirits, and that's we understand, you know, again, while sometimes in the Bible, we talked about this last week, it's clearly talking about mindset, sometimes it does seem like it's com- connected to some kind of demonic entity. I mean, that's what we see here with Saul. But listen, I really don't have a problem if any time the Bible refers to a spirit, if somebody thinks, well, it does involve another entity in some way, because, you know, let's just say, because, again, they can play a part in that. I mean, I don't, you know, how much spirits are involved with our life, it's hard for us to know because we can't see them. But, again, we know they play a part. How much of a role they play, I don't know. But, you know, either way, for the sake of argument, you know, let's just say every time the Bible mentions a spirit, there is some kind of demonic entity involved it still doesn't mean that your bad spirit isn't your fault. Okay? It's kind of like, you know, in Hollywood, because a lot of people, when they think about evil spirits, demon possession, whatever, because of Hollywood, you know, you're always thinking of the innocent little girl that gets possessed with a demon and then acts like a maniac as, as a result of that. You know, Hollywood has done that to you. You know, there are all, some demon is always entering in some nice, sweet, poor, innocent individual and turns them into a monster. But the truth is, that's not necessarily biblical either. While we do see stories in the Bible of people acting like monsters, the Bible never tells us the backstory and how they got that way. I do not believe anybody just goes walking along one day and they get jumped by a demon and then all of a sudden are horrible. Okay, Judas Iscariot, you know, Satan, he did enter into him, but Judas was a devil from the beginning. He was a guy that was always a bad guy. He was never saved. He was, all, he was always evil. And Satan entered into, eventually did enter into him. And so I, I believe that's the case anytime, too, somebody gets fully demon-possessed. I don't think it's just, you know, he just jumped into some innocent person. And the Bible doesn't give us a lot of detail on how a lot of that stuff works. But either way, what we've got to get a hold of is when it comes to the subject of spirits, either way you want to describe them, whether it's just a mindset and something in your head or whether it's something that involves, you know, these otherworldly entities, it is something that you've got to get control of. And if it gets out of control, it's because you went wrong somewhere. That, that's the case. And you need to get right with God. And so God, he does, he uses a lot of things that can help with that. Another thing God might use, God may use different individuals to stir up your spirit. God might use fellow church members. God might use a neighbor. There's no, God can use a lot of different people. And that's one of the reasons we go to church. Hebrews 10, 24, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. You know what? I don't always feel like doing good works. So it's, it's good if I can get around a community of people who believe in good works and will provoke me to good works. There are times that I don't feel like going out soul winning, but because I know, every, you know another group from the church is going out, the last thing I want to do is just sit out while work's going on. 
Have you ever been there before on the job working? And you know, have you ever had one of those days where you just felt like being lazy? But then there's that one guy that's working like a maniac and working hard, and it makes you feel bad, doesn't it? And, they, and those hard workers, they actually provoke you to work a little harder. Where the lazy guys, they actually can sometimes give you an excuse to be like, oh, at least I'm not as lazy as that guy. And, and I've worked in factories before, and there are. There's always those people that make you feel good about your job performance, but there's always those people that make you feel bad about your job performance. And understand that, you know what, I don't care how you know, real you can make your halos look that you wear when you come to church, sometimes you don't feel like it. Sometimes you don't feel like going soul winning, but often we do it anyway. We do the right thing anyway because we've been, we're being provoked because other people are doing the right thing. And God uses that. Let everybody stir your spirit. We, we need that kind of thing. If, you know, people act like, I don't, I, I don't really feel like doing it. I don't want to look like a hypocrite. Nobody ever said that you have to you know, feel like it to go to church, to go soul winning. We're just told to do it. And so just do it, whether you feel like it or not. And whatever it takes to get you to get your backside in gear and to move forward and do right, do it. You know, let that work. Whether it be other people, whether it be just the Word of God, whether it be a song. You know, there's songs that, you know, there's, there's songs that I'll use to stir me up to go soul winning. I, there's, a, you know, there's a song, a soul winning medley that I like listening to uh, that I've got on my phone. And I'll, I'll listen to that song sometimes and it, it makes me want to go out and go soul winning. I was thinking there's this there's one song it's called Lead Me to Some Soul Today. I was thinking but when we have our soul winning meetings before we go out, we ought to we ought to learn that song and sing the song. So that sounds kind of lame. I think it'd be pretty cool cuz that song fires me up. You know, and, and it is it's kind of like a prayer. We often pray before we go out. Why can't we sing a prayer? Who says who says we can't pray through singing? I I think it'd be good. I I think I think that kind of thing would be motivating. And so, you know what, I think we're, I think we're, we're going to learn that song, and, and I think that would be a good thing to do. And so, I don't really think that's necessary. Well, you know, I, yeah, it's not necessary, but you know what, sometimes I need my spirit stirred a little bit. And if I'm, if I'm in a gr- with a group of people, and they start singing that song, and they leave and go out sewing, the last thing I'm going to want to do is lay back and not go with them. Because that kind of stuff stirs my spirit. I say, well, what if we eventually get sick of that song, and it doesn't stir our spirit anymore, we'll find a new one. You know, whatever we got to do to to stir our spirit, whether it be some kind of motivational video. I've seen people make soul winning motivation videos. I think that's good. What what are they doing? They're trying to stir your spirit. Because, you know, in our culture today, we are. We're very, you know, visually oriented with things. And, you know, and what do they do? They use the dramatic music. You know, they use the visuals. You know, the people out walking, carrying their Bibles, showing people praying, all that kind of stuff. What does it do? It just stirs your heart. And it motivates you. And sometimes we need that type of thing. And it's okay for you to purposefully put those things in your life. It's okay for you to purposefully surround yourself with those things. It's important. And so God can use individuals that way. The Apostle Paul in Romans 11, 11 says, I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid, but rather through their fall, salvation has come unto the Gentiles for to provoke them to jealousy. God was doing God doing this work in, with the Gentiles was something that was meant to provoke Israel into turning to Christ. When they would see this work that God was doing that, with them, while God was doing nothing in Israel, it would cause them to say, "You know what? Maybe we should trust in Christ too." Paul went on in verse twelve 
It says, Now let the fall of them be the riches of the world, and the diminishing of them the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness. For I speak to you Gentiles, and as much as I am an apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify mine office. If by any means I may provoke to emulation them which are my flesh, and might save some of them. Paul's trying, whatever he's got to do to provoke these people to do like he's doing. You know why? Because he wanted them to get saved. He's provoking people. And you know what? We ought to surround ourselves with people that provoke us to love and good works. That provoke us to doing the right thing. And that's why I think church fellowship is good. Sometimes we, we, we do. We might need provoked in a certain area. We might be slacking off in a certain area. Maybe we're slacking off in godliness. Maybe we're, or we're slacking off in brotherly love. Maybe we're sla uh, slacking off in soul winning. So what do you do? You call in somebody that's really good at provoking people in that area. Somebody who's really successful in that area to just come and remind us, hey, you know what? You need to get excited again about these things. You're getting kind of lame in this area. You know, you're starting to, you know, you, when it comes to soul winning, some of you starting to act like the old IFB in this area and it's time for you to go and get the right, get a renewed attitude in this area. And you know what? And do we have to do that? I mean, do we have to sing songs and do dramatic music and play dramatic videos to get you just doing the right thing? I mean, is that the kind of thing we need? I mean, I'm all for doing that if that's what it takes. But, you know, we ought to just, we ought to just make it a part of who we are. That's what we ought to do. And so a lot of Christians today are finding themselves in turmoil because they're just trying to live for the flesh when something called the Holy Spirit is inside you and he just doesn't cooperate. See, that's, that's what's going on with a lot of people is we are all naturally prone to backsliding, which is always just going towards the things of the flesh, taking us away from the things of spirit, going towards the things of the flesh. And understand that when it comes even to church, even when it comes to serving God, there are carnal things about it that are good. Again, you know, the fellowship, the friendships, you know, you know, there's a lot of fun stuff that we do. There's a lot of good times. And we can, get, we can start becoming just very carnally minded on these things. And the, the, but the truth is, when that happens, and we're, when we start doing things more for the carnal reasons than for the spiritual reasons, we don't even realize we're becoming carnal people. And pretty soon, church is going to get away, get in the way of your carnality. It's going to get in the way of your desires. Doing the service of God, it's going to take you away from activities and things that you enjoy, things that bring your flesh pleasure. And where at one time it was, you know, more spiritual things that were bringing you pleasure because you were walking the Spirit, now you don't even realize that, no, I'm trying more to please my flesh now, and these spiritual things are actually getting in the way. And when that starts to happen, understand you're going to be tempted to just go more and more and just keep giving more carnality, more carnality. And let me tell you, the flesh is never satisfied with carnality. And now you've got this turmoil because you're trying to give yourself to the things of the flesh, but the Holy Spirit's not going to cooperate. The Holy Spirit will never cooperate with you. And the Bible says in Ephesians 4.26, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the things which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good that the use of edifying that may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. All these things that he's mentioning are things of the flesh, and you know what? They grieve the Holy Spirit. 
Now, they please your flesh, but they grieve the Holy Spirit. And if you grieve the Holy Spirit, He's going to grieve you. Just mark it down. And then He just goes on. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all mouths. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. So understand, we will never find peace and contentment by living for the flesh. But we can by living for God. But you're going to have to daily, you're going to have to daily put on that new man. He said in Ephesians 4.22 that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the, the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness, wherefore putting away lying, speak every man truth of his neighbor, for we are members one of another. And then right after that is that passage that we just read. And But folks, how do we do this? We've got to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. We need that regular renewal. There was a time, every one of us, we go through seasons in our life where God does a work in our heart, where God does a, a reviving, a renewing, a stirring, and gets us doing things and going to church, being a soul winner, being a good Christian, living a godly life. It almost seems like it comes easy for a while. But you know what? Your flesh never dies. And if you don't daily put on that new man, eventually, without even realizing it, you're going to become a much more focused on the flesh person without even realizing it. It, it, it just it sneaks up on all of us. It really does. It sneaks up on all of us. You know, if only there was a way, and we don't have something like that's, that's this easy, but it's like with, with weight, okay? Sometimes it sneaks up on you. But one thing, at least we have scales that can like give us an indicator, right? And boy, we hate those scales because they always tell the truth. You know, but at least you know we kind of have that number that we engage. But you know what? Wouldn't it be nice and scary if we had a spiritual scale that we can get on and we could like see how we were actually doing? And and the truth is, you know, while we don't have something that's as simple that we can just go stand on and look at a number, you know, the Word of God it, it can help us with some of these things. That perfect law of liberty. And sometimes when we get looking, it's like, you know, I don't really like what I'm seeing right now. And it's hard to figure out where we went wrong sometimes. But just mark it down. You went towards the flesh. And you know what you need? You need to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And so just like everybody gets renewed in the spirit of their mind when it comes to their weight loss goals on January 1st. Partly because you're seeing commercials, you're seeing advertisements and all these things. But you know, that, that challenge of staying focused, it's always hard, isn't it? And it's the same thing, too, as Christians. Our, our culture, or one of the problems many American Christians are having is we've let our American culture rub off on us. And our culture as a whole, it's just spiritually dead. They don't get stirred up by anything. I mean, or let's say they don't get stirred up by any of the right things. You know, most people, they don't get stirred up. You know, you know they're not, you know, it's sad our country is not stirred up about gay marriage, trannies, abortion, homo adoption, human trafficking, government overreach. Most people don't even flinch at those things. But, you know, you burn a tire, you know, they'll throw a huge hissy fit. You know, you know somebody uses a word, you know, a, a, a homophobic slur or something like that. You know, they'll lose their mind over that. While pedophilia, you know, uh, we just don't understand those people. It's pretty sad the things that don't stir people up. The things that do stir people and the things that don't. 
But you know what? We've, I think we've allowed all the entertainment of this world to just lull us to sleep. And you know what? We need to, we need to learn to let these things we talk about today stir us up. You know, and the truth is, when God steps in to stir things up, that's usually for judgment. That's usually not, it's, it's usually not a good thing. It's like, you know, there are some things that, oh, yeah, when, when God gets involved, it's usually bad. There's some things he called on us to do. There's things that we have been told as individuals to do. There's been things that we as a church have been told to do. And while I always want God's involvement in things, you know, understand if we're not where we should be as a church, if we're not stirred up like we should be as a church, it's because we're in disobedience. And so if God does it, it might be painful. And so what we should just do is take care of these things ourselves. Isn't that what you tell your kids? Kids, work out these battles yourself. Don't make me, don't make me referee everything. And so I hope that you know, through the things we talk about today, that you will do that. That you will get control of your spirit. Stop letting somebody else control your spirit. You control your spirit. And learn to use the things that God has used for good to influence yourself. You know, be like David, he encouraged himself in the Lord and use the Bible, use music, you know, get yourself around the right kind of people, do whatever you have to do to, to provoke yourself. And because we need strong Christians, we need people to stay motivated. The last thing we need is just people being down, discouraged, despairing, giving up. We got enough of that in the world. If I want to get depressed, I've got plenty of places where I can go to find some help to get me depressed. And it's all it's all over out there. We need the opposite of that, and I hope you do that. So with that, let's pray, dear Lord. I pray this message will help stir the hearts of everyone that are here today. And dear Lord, while I, I do want to be a help and a blessing and a, a source of encouragement for people in this church, I pray you'll help each one in here uh, to learn to uh, use your word and the things that you've offered us to stir their own spirits, to help them to stay faithful and to do the right thing. In your name we pray. Amen.